Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. My guest today is a good friend and really something of an advisor mentor to me over the years, Tom Lutz. So Thomas P. Lutz, he is the president of Vision Planners, and uh, man, he's got a story. So uh, he started graduating University of Maryland, Baltimore County, with a degree in classical languages, and he went on to get a master's in divinity degree from Covenant Theological Seminary. He actually began his career uh, as an organizing pastor of a Reformed Presbyterian church in the inner city of Baltimore in 1979. Like, there's a whole conversation there. Uh, but I'll tell you a short version. Over an eight-year period, he saw the church grow and prosper. The church soon spawned a second church, which is also in the Baltimore inner city area. So some pretty interesting stories there. But Parallel to that, during this period, Tom became involved in a small service company, which supplied information services to construction industry. And then over the next 20 years, he stayed and helped grow this company to revenues $120 million with 1,600 employees across 18 countries. And during this entrepreneurial period of growth, he helped launch 11 new businesses, seven new products and services, all under this kind of CMD group that he was a part of. In May of 2000, CMD group was sold to a division of Reed Elsevier, if I'm saying that correct, for $300 million. So like legit business guy, legit inner city ministry guy at the same time. Yeah. Soon thereafter, Tom started Vision Planners LLC, his strategy planning consultancy, and he helps leaders uh, kind of create plans and advance their visions, and he's just an awesome guy. And as a result of this, he plays this really unique role working with both churches and businesses in designing plans, helping craft visions, and figure out how do we actually do this. Now, in 2010, and this is where Tom and I met, as he started working as a convene chair, which if you don't know is this roundtable group for CEOs, especially Christian CEOs. Uh, and he currently chairs two thriving groups here in the Atlanta area. Uh, he He's a professor at the Metro Atlanta Seminary. He's got a doctorate from uh, Covenant Theological Seminary. And he just launched his first book, Equipping People for Kingdom Purpose and Their Work. You can find it on all the places, Amazon. In fact, I've got a link that's going to be in the show notes. You can check to get a special 30% off of his book. But we'll talk more about that later. And by the way, last little bonus before I start talking with Tom directly and I let him speak. In case you think this guy's just an egghead, Tom's an avid CrossFitter, uh, and he lives in the north part of the Atlanta area in Peachtree Corners with his wife of 47 years, and nearby he's got their seven children and 14 grandchildren. I mean, the guy has a full and epic life. Um, welcome, my awesome friend and truly unique human, Tom Lutz. Tom, uh, man, I am glad to be talking with you. Uh, looking forward to this. In fact, oh, me too. I'll confess, uh, the audience doesn't know this, but this is our round two. I, we tried to do <laughs> it curious. a couple weeks back and, um, where I was at, I was traveling in my place, a big storm rolled through power went out. It was, uh, you've been very patient to let me do a round not, with you, man. Not to worry. You know what? Talking about it. I had a call scheduled, a phone call scheduled just this afternoon. Uh, and for 15 minutes, I kept trying to dial and the phone said, it must, the cell service in my neighborhood must have been down. Huh. 
Because it says we can't we can't complete your call at this time. I haven't heard that in ten years. Was, you're gonna say I haven't heard that since I had a landline. That is yeah awesome. yeah so yeah hey so so you know awesome. you're you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Thank you thank you I'll take it. Um, dude, okay, so there's tons we could talk about. I've known you for there a while, is. and you do. Yep a lot from teaching and doctoral programs to working with Christian CEOs to individual coaching to you've been a highly successful business guy yourself doing some hundreds of millions of dollars of deals. And we've got a lot we can go to, but I will say that I don't want to miss this. I want to start with you recently launched a book and then you've been doing amazing stuff for decades. Um, And you, this is your first book, right? I mean, unless I missed this. Uh, no, that's correct. It's first, like, it's the first book. Well, give, give me the backstory, man. Like how, what, what triggered now after, after 40, 50 decades of leading and working with leaders, did it's you not 40 decades, it's four years. <laughs> I'm not that old. That's a um, really good catch. And if you were, then we would need to do a podcast about that. Like how uh, that, that would be more, that'd be more notorious than the book. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, the book comes out of a life passion of mine. Okay. So uh, quick history. I was a pastor for six, seven, eight years while we were yeah. starting CMD. Yeah. Uh, and so I was bivocational for a uh, period of time. And, right. Okay. So that's, that's interesting in of itself, right? Like, one half right. of your life is in this, this nonprofit ministry concept world. And the other is in like, and, and business, what, what in did the you business. do the business side? Uh, it was a, a business that sold construction information okay. to people who, who needed to know what stage a project was in everywhere from early pre-design to manufacturer getting specified to a roofer wanting to bid the job next week to a food truck purveyor who wants to know what that, sites are open. That there's not a lot of people who mix both those worlds, man. That explains a lot. No. <laughs> you're, I, you're, I tell people I speak pastor and I speak business guy. I'm bilingual. Yeah. Seriously. It's uh, all different languages, man. It's, it's a whole, uh, but I can walk into a room of 200 pastors and I have credibility. Yeah. Or I can walk into a room, you know, we sold a company for $300 million. So I walk, walk into a room of, I mean, that's credible, the, I can be credible to business folks. And so that exactly really bridges, right. uh, I think the church does a poor job of bridging those worlds. Oh, I know right? that it does. Um, I mean, and so I've played in both those spaces myself. It's yeah, they yeah. don't, they really don't understand each other's language. Um, Precisely. Uh, and so for years, you know, so I, as, as a young pastor, all of my sermons, all of my discipleship material, uh, all of everything I did that was going to be delivered at church for the most part was written at my desk at work. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so the typical pastor does that at the church building. Yes. Yes. And so when they're thinking about how to relate what they're teaching to you, mm-hmm. they're thinking about what you have in common. Yeah. And right. mostly that's the church. Yes. So most of the sermon illustrations you're going to hear are going to be about family, about hobbies. Cause you both mm-hmm. play golf or you both watch soccer. Right. Uh, or it's going to be about what happens at church. They don't know what happens at work, even though they work every day and your work is not very different from theirs. Right. Right. But a a senior pastor and a CEO have very similar issues, right? Very similar issues. hundred percent. Anyway. So when I, when I finally left, uh, the pastoral role, because the business was growing and they, they kind of said to me, we need you in or out. 
Uh, and I, uh, I tell my pastor friends after years as a teaching elder, God called me to the ministry and the ministry was at work. <laughs> Cause that's, that's really where I feel like I was created to, to be and to go. Uh, um, anyway, so, but it was a struggle for me for the first couple of years. Cause the question in the nagging in the back of my mind was, had I let God down, hmm. right? Hmm. You know, have, have I going to business, have, let him down? Yeah. I mean, am I chasing the money now? Am I, I mean, you, you know, all the, the phrases you've oh, heard from, it's, from pastors. It's, it's the, the false choice, right? But I've but, compromised. Right. If I'm noble, then I can't be trying to pursue financial success or climb the ladder. And these are always held out to be like the example of somebody who's, who's not right. living their life for the ultimate purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that was kind of, you know, a couple of years I had to get between my ears and make sense out of that. Mm. You know, mm. uh, I really did have a sense that there was a call from God to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I really began to kind of plumb the depths of, 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 uh, does the Bible care about what happens in the physical world? Does God care? Huh. Uh, you know, you, I don't know some of the companies you work with. I work with, uh, people that do, um, beverage equipment. I work with people that make culvert piping paint for mm. trailers. I mean, does God really care about that stuff? Right. Uh, and you know, and of course I think the general impression from the church is that, well, honestly, he doesn't, right. right. That's sort of the message because they never talk about it from the pulpit. Right. They don't explicitly say God doesn't care about your culverts. They just never talk about it, but it never comes up and they're always telling you to focus on other things. Yeah. If I never talked about my grandchildren, you would think I didn't have grandchildren. You're right. Or right. then when you found out that you did have grandchildren, you'd start thinking, oh gosh, they, he must not really be, be someone who he, loves. He must them. not like him. He doesn't talk yeah. about it at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and when well, he and when he does talk about him, he talks about the negative aspects. Yes, that's right. Like all the problems. They distract him from important stuff. Uh, you get yeah, the picture. It's a good picture. Um, wow. Anyway, so so you know, so the book, you know, uh, last time we, you asked me how long it took to write, I said it was about forty years. Because you know, it 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 germinated as I was beginning nice. just personally to come to grips with is this yeah. is this godly. Yes. Right. Is this, is this important in a spiritual sense? Mm. Uh, and so, you know, fast forward, what I, what I've learned is that the, the Bible is very much concerned hmm. about causing the world to flourish. So yeah. if you think about this, when God, you know, uh, we're told the story of, cre of creation hmm. every day, the creation uh, at the end of it, the writer says, and God said it was good. Ooh, yes. Five, five days in a row. Right. He made this and it was good. He it was good. This, it was good. Yeah. The sixth, the sixth day he creates Adam and Eve calls them image bearers, hmm. right? Hmm. The image of God is now in, it's now in the creation. And then he oh. says, it's very good. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So, so, you know, the story in Genesis there suggests that the deity is suggesting that the creation is improved mm. by the injection of a man and a woman into it. It's not just another element, uh, another animal, another tool. There's something special or enhancing it's, about it. That's it's, it's better. It's better. Yeah. And so if you riff off of that concept, yeah, you know, 
God put, you know, he basically, the instructions are, I want you, so there's really three instructions are given. It's the place is empty. I want you to create abundance, hmm. not just fill. Fill tends to have babies. Yeah. Create abundance is the Hebrew word. Yeah. Um, uh, it has infinite potential, hmm. right? We'll never extract all those creative types out there, the yeah. Steve Jobs making, you know, uh, all of that potential exists and will never into eternity ever exhaust all of the potential. So that's pretty awesome. That's if it. you're a creative type or you're a business yeah, tycoon or you're an entrepreneur. Major. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then number three, this one always throws people, but it's incomplete and dangerous. Hmm. So hmm. I need you to subdue it. Right. It's got wind. It's got yeah. the power of electricity, the power of water. Yeah, you don't have to do something that's already tame and and laid down, right? Like it's... in other words, it's it's not it's not a finished product. Yeah, uh, and so as a consequence, then the calling everybody has a call to play a part in whatever it is in that mosaic that helps us to flourish. Yeah. Right. You know what I love about this? This like this this goes down to the fundamentals, right? This is before we would say as Christians, sin entered the world and things Correct. broke and we got to fix. And there's a lot of our mission is let's manage the brokenness. Uh, Cause right. like, I'll put my hand up broken. Right. Like right. Yep. a lot of that, we're, it's like, there's something and then it got broken. But before all that, the original calling was first and foremost to create and, and, or, and abun- fill and, and, and subdue and like organize. And like, that was the first and greatest calling. And Oh yeah. Right. Now, now we got to deal with our brokenness in addition, but we've, it's not the other way around. It's not like we've got a remedial situation. That's why I say, yeah. you know, uh, redemption is not the most important thing to God. Ooh. And that is right? not the message we get for many times. No, no, no. That's, and that's where the sacred secular thing comes in. Right. Is, is that the religious thing is a higher, well, no, everything is religious, right? And <laughs> yeah. I say, I, I say it's not the most important thing to God because it has an antecedent. Mm-hmm. It's what you're getting to. Mm-hmm. Uh, something, the reason we're redeemed, redeemed, yeah. the, Hebrew, the Latin term is to buy back, mm-hmm. to, to put back into a previous state. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, the previous state is what I've just described as the uh, what theologians would call the cultural mandate or the creation mandate. Mm. You know, the deity puts the human in the world and then expects that human in association with other humans to create, to uh, cause flourishing. Um, you know, he puts a seed in the ground, essentially. Yeah, right. We're told, and then, then man is told to take it from there. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying this in kind of a, uh, you know, there is a, a, a notion of creation that God, a deist notion, God created it and spun it off. Right. And he abandoned you know, it after that. Right. Right. I still think he's very actively engaged and communicates with it. Yes. Um, but, but in his, in his glory, I mean, this is my experience is while he is continually active in my life, part of the gift he gives me the, the joy and honor of like, and he leaves me things to do. I mean, like you said, creation was not finished, right? There was a yeah, ton right. of glorious raw materials and he deliberately, he, it's not like he stopped because he ran out of energy, right? Or he ran out of ideas. Right. Like, ah, right. I don't know what to do anymore. You guys figure it out. I'm right, bored. Right, I'm right. out of here. I think it's, it's the delight to say, well, I, I've got kids, right? I don't have grandkids yet, but but even in the, the kids stage, and I'm told it's more, even more fun in the grandkids, 
is like the joy of giving them something and then letting them go play with it. Like I, I want to see them learn and try new things and have right. their own adventures. And so, so anyways, I say all that to be like, yeah, 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 this makes sense. Um, anyways, but this, so, uh, you know, I tell people I'm a little bit warped. I, I just think very differently about the Bible than the typical pastor huh. and, and read it. You know, one of the chapters in the book, so the book is called equipping Christians for yeah. kingdom purpose in their work. Yeah. Okay. So I'll have links in the notes for everybody. Uh, you can get this on Amazon awesome. and all the cool stuff. Yep. Yep. But, um, anyway, so, uh, I've learned to speak differently. Yes. I've, and I, now I'm, I'm over the years. Uh, I do, as you know, uh, um, facilitate, uh, convene round table CEO groups. Yeah. yeah uh, and so what your group, great guys, you, you've spoken to them. Exactly. Right. right. So one of the things about working with CEOs, a lot of them, when they come in and these are people who are believers, you know, they have a, they have a, a serious faith, but a lot of them are just very discouraged, mm. you know, because they've made it right. They right. belong to the country club. They've yeah. they got millions of dollars. They drive the Mercedes. And this is so uh, interesting. I think I know where you're going, but I just have to pause and call it out. This is usually most people that I know are thinking, Oh, if I could get there, I would not be discouraged. Right? No, I'd be thrilled. Finally well, be happy. This would be the life of my dreams. And yeah. that, what do you find? Well, and so what happens is because that's what they're told hmm. life, you know, when you buy the lake house at Reynolds plantation yeah. for two and a half million dollars, yeah. you're going to just be fat cat. Yes. You're going to be so satisfied. It's a lie. Hmm. What we need, and I think it's because of who we are created to be, we yeah. need we need powerful, meaningful work to do. Hmm. Right? Hmm. I mean, I, I could have retired. I, I don't yeah. work full-time anymore. I, sure. I still work with these CEOs. Why? Because I it's powerful, meaningful work. I get out of bed yes. on the mornings. I'm not playing golf. I get out of bed, and it's like I, I can help to change the world. Yes. Right. Well, anyway, but I saw so many of these, these Christian uh, business owners being discouraged because they didn't, no one ever told them that God cares about their HVAC company or their plumbing company or their right. trash collection company. Right. Right. Uh, and so, so over the, over the years, and I've done that now 15 years, plus I did a lot of just discipleship with my employees, yeah, yeah. uh, and, you know, and just led Bible studies for men. And then that sort of thing. over the years, I've, I've really seen that as a need and I've learned, and this is what's in the book. I've learned ways in which I can talk to somebody to help them understand and find meaning yeah. in, in their relationship to God in their work. So just one example, one of the chapters in the book says, what would happen if no one did what you do. Huh? Right. Like if, if nobody showed up to pick up the trash or nobody uh, did the legal work you do, like what would happen if, if the, no, nobody did that work for society? Not, not just your company didn't yeah. exist. Right, right. Nobody, nobody. There were no collect trash collectors, right? There were there no were trash collectors. Right. What uh, would happen? And all of a sudden people go, and frankly, during COVID, we got the answer to that. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yes. Why do we have such a misery? I mean, you couldn't get um, stuff. You couldn't buy stuff, supply chain, you, because they couldn't get stuff delivered by who? The truck drivers. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, and so uh, I mean, when before January 2020, did you give 30 seconds of time to your thinking about a truck driver to cut you off on the road? Right. right. And then we begin to think, wow, those, that's, those are important people. Yeah. You know, the world would not be flourishing. Yes. If the truck drivers didn't drive their trucks. Yeah. The world would definitely not be flourishing if the trash collectors didn't pick up the trash. That, that was bubonic plague. My four that kids was bubonic plague. We, we and, be, oh, you're right. They just threw trash in the street. And, um, and this is what, yeah, wrecked society. And, and the rats moved in and people carried disease. And we, we lost 50% of the world's population in the spirit of 14 years, I think. Uh, and, and this is, you know, I know you, you work with a lot of CEOs, yeah. you know, especially if, if you're in a blue collar kind of context, mm-hmm. those people aren't terribly well-respected. Tragically true, man. Uh, you know, as, as, as important as they are, right. Uh, they're, they're not, we, we don't, we just don't think about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's not active uh, disrespect as much as, uh, well, we've talked it's about just before, right. It's like, not about your kids. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, matter, right? we, uh, the sociologists have a word for it. They call it goods to order. Ooh. Okay. So if you're going home tonight and you think, huh, I need to get some grapes. Yeah. You pull into the Ingalls parking lot. Mm-hmm. You fully expect, fully expect there will be grapes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not, it never crosses your mind. Yeah. Exactly. The grape, well, you're spoiled. Right. Uh, I remember year, years ago, I spent a, a week or 10 days in Croatia right after the Czechoslovakian civil war. Ooh. And um, when we arrived, there were just a huge pile of cabbage in the town center. Wow. And that's what we ate all week. Cause that's what you could get. Uh, I remember the first morning waking up uh, and I, I had, you know, the next we had been in town and they had showed me the shops and what was there. But there's a little walk into town. And I woke up and I made my coffee and I'm looking, I'm looking for the cream. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I take a little cream, a little honey. So it's like, it's a given, right? Yeah. Well, how do they not? I just said, don't worry guys. I'll walk into town and get some cream. It's not that far. <laughs> well, the reason they didn't have cream there was because there was none. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you walk into town or not, there's no cream, you know, get. but, but again, that's, that's the, that's and the we way did. we, we dismiss, especially in our spoiled uh, Western American wealth, like abundance we have created, we blow right. off the, the delight of being able to pick up cream or grapes, and right. we don't see the right. value of people who do that for us. Yeah. So That's- anyway, I've been able to teach my CEOs, especially, you know, if they're CEOs, uh, uh, you know, like I'm talking to a guy next week who is a, uh, a medical facility. Yeah, yeah. Well, those people get respect. People, the doctors, the PAs, you yeah, know, they that's get right. respect. That's right. But if you're if you're um, you know, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, you're a financial planner, mm-hmm. mechanical engineer, you know, you you get respect in your your day to day operation. Uh, whereas uh, these people don't. And so, but the problem is, how do you create a culture? Mm-hmm within a blue collar context, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you work with any folks that are in that kind of, kind of a lot of my, a, convene, Quite a, bit. a lot of my, a lot of my, a lot of my convene members are. So some examples, probably the best one was company that does beverage equipment installation. Okay. Okay. So, so they, they go around and do either new installs, 
maintenance or renovations like in the Coke big, machines and the, the, the ice machine, the coffee machine. Yeah, and when yeah. you walk into a quick trip, mm-hmm. there's a whole, there's a whole row of beverage yeah. equipment, yeah, Slurpees, right. Oh yeah. Ice cream, everything. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I confess up until now, I never thought about, Hey, there's a, probably a lot of tools and technique and like that's complicated machinery, right? Like this is, well, yeah. so the, uh, so the day one, these guys will ask him a question, something like, what would happen if nobody fixed those machines? Mm. Imagine what life in Atlanta would be like. Yeah. Yeah. If no, if nobody fixed what 4 million people stop for a cup of coffee on the, in the morning in Atlanta and it's a part of their routine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all those locations assume there's a coffee machine that's able to process and give them coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so then you, you begin to say, so, so understand if we don't do our job, well, Atlanta goes a notch down on the flourishing scale. Yes. So people are better off. If you do your job well, now you are you, you're familiar with Patrick Lencioni. Oh yeah, we're at most you know, all stuff. Yeah, so his um, book was originally called Three Evidences of a Bad Job." Now it's the secret to employee engagement. Right. But if you remember, one of the three was uh, make sure people understand who they're important to. Yes, I do. Right. Remember. And so this is putting Lencioni into practice. They're just saying you're important to. Yeah. Uh, everybody that drives up and down Peachtree Parkway here, my neighborhood, yeah. uh, and stops in at any one of a dozen places and grabs their morning coffee and donut. Mm-hmm. And the world is a better place. Um, yes. and, and, the, and there's lots to this because on the one hand, it's honoring and pleasant to recognize, hey, I have value. But I got to tell you, so I, I work with Chick-fil-A. You know, I spent a lot of years sure. at Chick-fil-A. Right. So, Fast food, right? Before Chick-fil-A, that's like your uh, your stereotype example of the dead-end job. It's like, well, at least I'm not flipping fries, right? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. They created nobility out of it. The way they talk about it is the root word for restaurant is the same root word as restoration, right? We're trying mm-hmm. to create a little oasis of restoration, a place where you can right. treat it well and get a little physical refreshment and emotional. So, like that mindset shift for me, if I, if I can confess, it was an amazing job, um, hugely valuable, hugely fun, still huge fans. But I, I, and I've known the Kathy family. I went to high school, <clears throat> the guy who's currently CEO. I've known him for decades, right? I play board games and tennis and go ski trips. Like they're my buddies. But when it was time to talk about jobs, I don't know, this is 16 years ago or something. Um, I actually delayed like calling him back like, ah, I don't want to work at fast food, right? Like, no. uh, why would I? I mean, these are cool people, but really, I wanted to do something noble with my career. And I, I just say, I say this all the time for folks. I think the single best lesson I learned working with them is that that honestly, there's massive nobility in this simple things, and. Absolutely. If you do it well, you don't have to choose between a noble life and a life of profit, right? Like the the noble thing can be very profitable if you care for people and do it with excellence. And I mean, the long-term perspective right. on sometimes right. in the short term, it looks like, oh, if I'm going to be noble, I have to do these, these godly, holy things and I can't fix drink machines. And, and yeah. I, I say yeah. that, like, there's a, there's almost a weight of responsibility that comes with recognizing man, I actually have a calling to make the world flourish in this particular way. Right. Dang, it matters how I show up and do my job now. It's a, 
it's a beautiful but like serious thing to realize you you're called to this sometimes um yeah yeah but anyway a ceo can use that as a way to uh i mean because who doesn't like to be told they're important yeah there right? yes uh, and so you know uh to be able to ex- help people understand why their blue collar work is important uh makes them feel it makes them feel more makes them want to be better at it because yeah. they realize there's a there's a human at the end of the correct wiring yes right um, this is changing somebody's life one way or the yeah. other yeah, yeah 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 and so i don't know how blue collar companies that aren't inconvenient are doing but right. i know my guys guys the culture's better yes yes right be- because they're respected for uh you know you know mike Rowe. yeah oh yeah the, yeah. the, uh, the dirty jobs guy that's 100 you know that's that's you know that's what he does yes he, no, he, he's, he, he's made a, a life out of showing us the skill and diligence and value of these these quote of unquote, these dirty jobs dirty right? jobs yeah, yeah. Precisely. anyway so that's uh but that's my, where my passion is it's just about so, okay, so, so here's in a nutshell, here's the concept in the book is yeah. we have got pastors have got to stop discipling church members as church members and start discipling them as image bearers. Yes. Okay. Two really interesting passages. Uh, one, you know, but you don't may probably don't know the add on verse. It says, for as by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Uh, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You've heard that phrase. That's a do you know what the next Christian verse? Yeah. Do you know what the next verse is? I confess it's not coming to mind. Of course it doesn't, because but it ought to. It's right. the most important yeah. one. I was gonna say says, right. yes, but no because I... because you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, and then there's two Greek words, agathois ergon. Okay. Okay. Now here's the other thing. When and, and and typically it's translated, you've been created for good works. Okay. Yeah. 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 When we disciple somebody as a church member, when I say good works, what do you think? Oh, I mean, the stereo, it brings back like you're gonna lead a Bible study. You're gonna join the the wor- worship team. Like it's soup all kitchen. Yes. Soup kitchen. Children's nursery. Yeah. Those it's are all good works. Yes. What the word means, so so I teach my students, uh, if you're exegeting a Greek passage, pull down the dictionary, not that 2,000 years of Christian staring at their navel, studying what how the Bible uses a word, because Paul didn't have those resources. No, that's right. What, what Paul had was what I, I studied classical Greek in college. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classical Greek is what Paul spoke. Yeah. And if Paul had a dictionary, and he pulled down and he looked at what is Ergathon, uh, ergon agathon it means work that is good uh, prepare your people for work that is good the subtle but significant shift good so, work. well my point is don't don't translate it like with a church mindset translate right. it like an image bearer mindset so what is that says a worldly different thing you were you were uh god redeemed you so you can go do what the image bearers were created to do. You can go out and do good work that causes the world to flourish. Second passage, also in Ephesians, same, same set of words. Um, for he has given apostles and prophets and 
evangelists and pastors and teachers. So different gifted roles of yeah. leadership within the church. Yeah. So these are all people who are gifted to help develop leaders. Yes. Okay. So you would fit in that category. The, sure. the, the CEOs that you work with who are trying to develop leaders in their business would fit into that category. Right. Uh, for he has given these people in order to prepare the people of God for ergois diakoneois. Okay. Another Greek word. Pull the Greek, pull down the um, uh, church dictionary, yeah. and we're going to translate it as that works of ministry. Uh, okay. Pull down Paul's dictionary, and it's yeah. going to say work that serves. Hmm. Work that serves. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, it, it just radically changes the way, uh, you know, and I, actually, I'm thinking our context, you know, most of what I work with is going to be. C-level executives, yep, yep. Right? and and they're working to d- to develop people. This is just, I think, a gold mine when when we d- begin to teach people. When you can tell somebody that that uh, you believe God has called them to complete the task that's before them. I mean, even if you're not a evangelical Christian, right? I mean, you don't have to. The, the idea that yes. work is ennobling. That what work you're is doing is making the world and people's lives better. Better. The, the seriousness of that, it's not just a way to get money from people so you can buy a lake house. Um, that's where this breaks down, right? It's like, mm-hmm. now what? I have the lake house and it, it... And you've got no significance in your life. Yes. One of my favorite quotes on this is from Jim Carrey, the you know the actor comedian, right? Yep. And he says, man, I wish everybody could become rich and famous so they could discover that it doesn't produce happiness. Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. And, and that's, thinking, that's what's going to get me there. And it's but not, yet, but yet we're all, people are all on that train assured that, well, it's going to be different for me. And it um, is meaningful purpose. And that doesn't mean you can't make a lot of money while doing it. There's all sorts of benefits correct. to, but that, yeah. that abundance can, can spill over for yourself and you can take some of that abundance for creating a bunch of abundance. And then there's generosity and you can, I mean, honestly, I've, I've got a mentor who's uh, let my family use his lake house for the last 10, 15 years. Um, Good example. Good example. gift it's been, to, I know he does this for lots of folks, right? The gift that lake house has been, but it's not about the lake house for him. There's even that as a purpose. Like, Hey, I think God blessed us so that we could create a little oasis for people who can't afford a lake house, get to go play and have that, that moment with their family. I mean, so all that to say, it's the purpose, not the tool. Um, Precisely right. Yep. Wow. Yeah. There's okay. So, so is the book (laughs) primarily for pastors trying to figure out how they can, can pour into their leaders? Is it more for the, the, the blue collar leader trying to figure out who's the, who are the the kind of people or person that that would most say, Hey man, this book is, is for me. It's tools for me. Yeah. So we, the subtitle of the book is a book for all who disciple. Ah, who is that? Okay. So, so yes, pastors, right? Yes, pastors. But consultants who work with CEOs. Uh, yep. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Right. Uh, coaches who work with business owners, mm-hmm. right. Men's Bible study, women's Bible study, campus, campus ministries. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've had interesting, you know, I've had a bunch of students come through and have, I think I've had some impact on changing the way uh, navigators or uh, campus outreach yeah, think yeah, about college ministries. Yeah. Because they will tell you at least the campus outreach where I've had the most influence. Cause a lot of them, my, the whole section of them here in Atlanta were in my 
uh, master's program. Cool. You know, they would see their students be really engaged through the, con- and then all of a sudden disappear from any kind of spirituality when they left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they began to realize is we're creating a false, what do you call it? Embryonic existence. We're creating uh, a bubble. Right. Right. Uh, and we're not teaching them how to be, how to put their faith into practice. Right. How do I do it outside of this? Concept? When they become an architect, when they become a CPA. Right. And so, and so they'll tell you that for them, the brass ring was, if I convinced you to come on uh, staff at my campus outreach. Oh, cause then you were doing, uh, cause then you were doing spiritual work. Yes. The good works, right? Like now, so now they've changed, they've changed it around. And so their summer program used to be, let's take people to, uh, the beach and teach them how to share the gospel and get them jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Flipping, flipping burgers, right. Flipping yeah. burgers. And there was a clear, uh, if unstated, like this is the not ministry, good stuff. And this is the noble stuff. And yeah. And now, now what they do is they bring them into Atlanta mm-hmm. or in, in, in Nashville is where another group I worked with a while back brings them into Atlanta and then they have them work in a company in their desired field. Hmm. So if they're a mechanical engineer, they'll go work as an intern for eight weeks in a mechanical engineering firm, but, but a firm where faith is taken seriously. Okay. Okay. So all of, so they see what it looks like for a successful mechanical engineer to also be a man of faith or a woman yes. of faith. Yes. Uh, and, and so all of a sudden they're getting mentored about where they're headed after they graduate. Yes. So, so there's a lot of people, you know, that, that anybody, I think about it this way, anybody who is helping anybody figure out how to be a better worker. Yeah. So, okay. I'm thinking about this as a parent. Uh, my oldest is a senior is a big part of picking a college is what do you want to do? Right? Like, where do you, what, what careers are you thinking? And man, I remember so actually it's funny. Uh, some, some of this goes back to, I think he's the guy that introduced us, a mutual friend of ours, Daniel Steer here in the Atlanta area. Oh yeah. Daniel's Daniel's in the book. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I yeah. He's mentioned that. a couple of times in the book cause he was yeah. part of my, my, my dissertation. Uh, that's right. Uh, so he's, he's been on this journey with you and sharing it with me for a while. So, um, I say all that to say, like, we go through this whole process and, and man, I remember vividly this whole challenge, like, well, what do you want to do? And what's it for? And well, if I love Jesus, I guess I have to go into Christian ministry. And I remember telling Daniel this back when we were 20 some punks, like Daniel, if you want to do good in the world, why, how could you go be an engineer and work in software? Like, how is that good in the world? And long conversations later now. Um, yeah. So I, I'm thinking this is the kind of stuff my 18 year old needs to understand. Right. So what she actually wants to do, and we're having these conversations, she wants to be an animator. She wants to make cartoon TV series and cartoon movies. And like, how is that noble? Well, the stories that make people think deeply and give them a, a break and help us laugh in the middle of hard times and make us cry when we need to, like, Actually, storytelling can be a pretty powerful way to make people's lives flourish. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so you say all that, like, it's helping us uh, as parents. And so it's not just Christian pastors or formal discipleship programs. I think I loved how you said it. It's anyone who's helping anyone else figure out how to show up well in their work, find meaning, find value, yeah. do it with excellence. Because 
Or another way, another way we say it is uh, anyone who disciples people who work outside the church. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Just another yeah. way to look at it. Right. Um, and, and it's broad, you know. Yeah, there's a few of us in that bucket. Because I'll say this as we as we kind of come to the close, because there's lots we can talk about, but I oh, yeah. we'll, do, we'll do more conversations. Um, but yeah, like this is this has been a big part of my story. And I think it's one of the things for life and value that I, I, if anyone's listening and you have, you have made this false divide in your head, right? Like, well, here's the stuff I do just to pay the bills. And then here's the things I do that are noble. I care for my kids. And I, I, you know, I, I serve at that soup kitchen or whatever the thing is. Like, I think the the wake up call for all of us is that that there's a lot of meaning and it matters what you do in your day to day. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, even the mad rush to retire. Ooh, yes. Right. You know, as if somehow, uh, you know, this is interesting. One thing that sets apart Christianity as a, as a unique religion against every other philosophy of religion in the world, every other one, hmm. uh, paradise is the escape from work. Oh. Christi- Christianity, you're created in paradise yeah. as a worker and into eternity. You know, yeah, the like, new heaven, like you heaven have a new earth will be here. Yes. I remember when I used to think, um, no one explicitly told me this, but somehow I got this message that heaven was like one big song service in the sky. We're just going to stand around and sing songs for a million years. And I, I used to be like secretly ashamed, like, well, that doesn't sound very good. But I remember literally like I'm a, a teenager and I'm thinking, I guess it's not hell, right? At least I won't be, won't be in tortured. Torture it's forever. close to torture. I was thinking like, oh. um, but, but uh, right. there's a chapter, there's a chapter, there's a chapter in the book that says, uh, if heaven is what you think it is, I don't want to go there. Yes. Yes, exactly. Right. Because that's, that's the, it's this vague, uh, unpowerful, is, at least this total is satisfaction of every. Yes. And you just sit around in this kind of drugged <laughs> out bliss, right? Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's not like an opioid death. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's a new you know, reality with the, the breakdown where we get to work without the frustrating part. I mean, it's that's the key. Absent sin, absent the curse. Yes. Right. Now, that's what makes work frustrating here is, is yeah, the, yeah. You know, sinful people, sinful practices and the curse that was put on it. But once you remove those yeah, uh, and we're able to, into eternity to do, uh, you know, another I mean, it won't it's, it'll be incomplete and dangerous still. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Uh, so yes. you know, I mean, uh, do you do you play golf? I love to play golf. Uh, occasionally, yes. Okay. So what will what will your golf score be in heaven? Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, I mean, if I have eternity to fiddle with it, it it might get pretty dead gum good. Well, if you, yeah, you you could improve for sure. Yeah. But if 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 Jesus comes back tomorrow, yeah. And you go play golf the day after you're yeah. going to be the same golfer you were today. Right. Right. Which you're not, you're not all, all of a sudden going to, you're not all of a sudden going to, going to hit, you know, what is a perfect golf score? Is it 18? Yeah. 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 I guess right? so. You're right. And, and so maybe, 
a couple million years into it, I could get close to that. But you're right. The idea is I don't, I don't instantly arrive and now all skills are effortless to me. Um, right. Uh, you will, there'll be, there'll be, people won't be breaking will, the law. They won't be sinful. I will still be a bogey golfer when heaven starts. Uh, I, yeah, I will be too. Uh, and uh, yeah. I don't put enough work into it to get out of that. So yeah. 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 But, um, but the joy of learning, I think what you're saying, like the challenge is not removed. We yeah, get to, I, to develop it. We get to play with it. That Cause it me. doesn't matter how good you get, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a 16 golfer. So I play 85 to 93. Nice. That's nice. kind of, that's my world. Yeah. Right? Uh, if I, if I do 82, I'm thrilled. Yeah. You know, and the other day I scored 102 worst I've played in <laughs> a long time. It was windy and bad. Yeah. Um, but you look at, you look at, uh, uh, I don't know. I've just read a book about Bubba Watson, mm. you know, and it, it, he was very disappointed when he was only three under par You're right. at a particular <laughs> place. You just can't, you never get, you never get satisfied. Yeah. And honestly, that's part of the joy of it is when you remove the, the challenge. Um, it's not fun that when you sit in the house with nothing to do, when everything comes at the snap of a finger, then it's not purposeful and meaningful. Yes. Uh, I think I want to go to a place for eternity that's purposeful and meaningful. Yes. And so you know where it matters. It matters that I'm there. Yes. And so maybe the the career vision is not that I I get enough money to the point I never work again. It's actually that I get I learn more and I get better at and eventually as my career goes I do more and more highly meaningful, highly enjoyable work. And so yeah. I, I'm, maybe I don't, you know, maybe you do get to the point where you don't have to, to get up at 6 a.m. every morning to get it done. But, but man, I wouldn't want to have nothing to do. That, that actually sounds yeah. really. No, people ask me, you know, what do I plan to retire? I'm 68. Yeah. I could, yeah. I could retire. You're on the retirement zone. Most people. I, I, I could, I could retire if I wanted to, sure. um, uh, but I don't work. I work 15, 20 hours a week. Between yeah, the and, seminary and between my coaching, and I have but it's purposeful, meaningful, to do. and it's it's pouring into leaders. It's coaching. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's being small roundtable groups. I mean, it's leading classes. Like you kind of get to go play, is what it feels like to me, right? Well, I get. I'm. You know, they talk about a, a leader should operate seventy percent of their sweet spot. Yes, yes. I'm like ninety-seven. Yes. You know, I mean, I it's one Saturday a month. I have to do the books, write the checks, yeah, deposit yeah, right. the checks you know, pay yeah, the bills. Why would you quit that? If you could find something that, that that's satisfying to you, like it'd be dumb to stop doing that. Yeah. No, it's just, um, uh, I, you know, I got guys at the cl club I play with. I, I usually play Thursday and Fridays, nice. weather permitting. Yep. And there's guys that play every day. Oh man. Uh, and, and I guess they're there rain or shine. Cause their wives probably don't want them around. Oh yeah. But some of them, some of them are the most sour people. Hmm. Yeah, I remember one particular morning. There's a group of 25, 30 of us, so we have a little pickup game, and you, you pick a number, and then that determines which group you're in, and then we pick a game, and we have a little bet. Oh, fun. Uh, well, one morning, you know, four or five guys that don't normally come showed up. And now all of a sudden, we've got too many people, and the guys that came late that normally play every day didn't have a spot. Okay, okay. Okay, so we, did, we just talked to – Pro would slide it back and would give yeah. us two more tea times. No worries. Yeah. And some of these guys just were so distraught, mm -hmm. you know, and I remember saying it to him, 
Guys, in case you're missing it, it's Thursday and we're playing golf. <laughs> right. right. What are you all pissy about? Yeah. But they, but again, they got they no, probably don't that's have... the mean, the meaning in their life is, is this little piece of tea time. And as fun. much as golf is fun, we were made for more than that. Yeah. It's yeah. not enough meaning and value. That's a good a, a life without, you know, that's what happens to people. people die when they, when meaning and value is removed from that. That's, yeah. That's... Yeah. Anyway, we could go on forever. Bro, <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So guys, there'll be links. You can get your book discounted link, but Tom also, how else could they find you online? If folks want to see you or check out any uh, of the you know, stuff. Yeah. Do? So I'm, I'm pretty active on Facebook and, uh, LinkedIn. Cool. Uh, so, f- uh, in either case, it's Thomas P as in Patrick Lutz. So you can search Thomas Patrick Lutz, awesome. uh, and you'll, you'll know it's me on LinkedIn. Cause you'll see the convene chair or the, uh, the teaching position at covenant seminary. Yeah. And I'll, uh, and Facebook, I'll put links in the notes for everybody who wants to check. Uh, that. Facebook is the same Thomas P Lutz, um, Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, uh, the Facebook slash one word vocational discipleship is where we post information about awesome about books. When I do podcasts, when yeah. we write articles, uh, et cetera, uh, they all get posted up there, man. Thank you so much. Always fun talking with you. Um, appreciate you sharing your life lessons with us. Uh, yeah, hopefully, man. hopefully you'll, we can accelerate. We don't have to wait 40 years for us to figure it out. We can piggyback on your, <laughs> yeah, you can hopefully like, learn the lesson in, in fewer, a little bit less time. I'll take it. Thanks brother. <laughs> okay, man. I hope you enjoyed this episode of upgrade engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com slash upgrade. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K.com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long, and it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.